episode 692 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good, Todd. I'm ready to talk about some comic book stuff. Yep. Uh, and all sorts of uh, various and sundry things spinning out of that. How about that? Right. I'm definitely seeing a short show. I'm holding my hand up to my head and closing my eyes like I'm a psychic. Mm. Definitely seeing a short show. Very uh, Gary Spivey, uh, Dion Warwick-esque of you. Right. I'm more of a Karnak guy myself. Mm. I, I also listening to Pandora radio at night before I go to sleep, and they're pushing California psychics in the commercials. <laughs> and I'm like, is that still a thing? Like, phone a psychic? And I want to do it to see how Longbox Heroes is going to go this year. <laughs> I wish I could remember the guy's name, but he does a public access show mm-hmm. and he like his all his website and his social media and everything else is very clearly like i am a performance artist this is all fake i am a man playing a character of a woman <laughs> who's a psychic but still goes on the public access show and does the psychic bit and dozens if not hundreds of people fall for it on a daily basis right and there was somebody, one of the podcast people that I listened to, when he found out that it was all a work, as they say. Right. Uh, not only was he, like, not joking around, like, oh, I didn't know this was fake, but I lost a little bit of respect for him. I'm like, really? Couldn't tell this was fake, huh? All right, yes. well. Psychics are fake. It's not a solid science like astrology, Joe. Come on. Right. You know, gotta get, you got to get my uh, my horoscope in every morning. Your your day's going to suck. Hey, it's right every day. Um, but would you like to know what we have on the show? I'm I would. look into our horoscope and see what we have on the show. Yes. Um, in news, Amazon greenlights a TV show from one of our favorite creators. Uh, a digital experiment in the way you put comics in order. And I'm wondering what your take is on this when we get there. And what's up with Jason Aaron in the year 2024? Um, we have conventions. Uh, the latest edition of My Walk Down Lois Lane with friend of the show, Pride of Bampton, Becky. Um, what we read last, last week, which is Pine and Merrimack, number one. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues where we reread Gail Simone's Secret Six in its entirety. And this week it's uh, Villains United issue two. Um, and I don't believe uh, any spoiler-filled talk of TV or movies because we've been lazy when it comes to that stuff. Well, have we been lazy? I, you know, obviously we could get into it when we get into it, but I don't know. Um, you know, Echo is airing as we record, so, you know, mm-hmm. we, would, we wouldn't have been able to get that in. But Right, but we could have done Aquaman 2 Electric Boogaloo. Could we have? We could have. It's the death of the Snyderverse, man. Yeah. So if I never see Aquaman 2, does the Snyderverse live forever? Forever, yes. And uh, I just wanted to mention as well, there is a follow-up from last week's Grading on You segment as oh, well. Oh, yes. Whoops, I missed that one. That whoops-a-doodle that Todd forgot to mention. Uh, in the <laughs> Easy, segment. Flanders. All right. Uh, so, uh, top news story. Again, it'll be a short, it'll be a quick. There's not much uh, else to say about this. Other than that, it was announced this week that coming soon, or at least coming, not soon, uh, but Amazon Prime, Prime Video, whatever you want to call it, is going to be adapting the Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips criminal series. Right. And they have uh, the showrunner of it is someone by the name of Jordan Harper, who I do not know who he is, but he is a TV guy who has worked on crime and comic related things. Uh, varying qualities and uh, content in the past. And, uh, yeah, you know, like, this is really awesome. It is. Whenever we talk about Ed Brubaker, and especially his crime stuff, whether it's his reckless books or whatever, like, especially when, like, he does a criminal special or whatever, we discuss how 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 is criminal not a TV show? You know what I mean? Like, how does it, because it's his best stuff that is like, he has a lot of that you could just put out there and it ties in in different decades and different characters and how it, how it all weaves together. And it's very smart. 
But uh, and of the people who are doing the boys, like the company, I feel like Amazon is the modern day like HBO and it's prime when it got all the like the the you know the 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 gold label like talent and stuff like that. Amazon Amazon's doing really good, and I think I don't know they're on their way. Right, we got no make- cast. You know, right, we got no casting. We got no shooting. We got no nothing. Um, I think Brubaker himself in his little newsletter said that they're just going to start like this week is the first official week of meetings. Right. Um, but the one other thing is when this announcement rolled out, Brubaker's not on any social media. Sean Phillips is. And to a person, everyone in the industry was like, hey, man, this is awesome. Hey, man, this should have happened sooner. This is like the perfect series to be made into a TV show. And, like, it was great to see, like, the other people in the industry, like, propping up one of their own and, like, one of their own that put something really good out and put out high-quality work for a very long time. And I'm sure when Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips were making this, you always have it in the back of your head, like, "Eh, this could be a movie. Eh, This could be a TV show. But you never, you know, they never came off as the guys, even though Brubaker does a lot of Hollywood stuff these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, they never came off as the guys of saying like, "This is going to be our pitch. This is going to be our thing that gets us, uh, you know, to become a Hollywood main, like Hollywood elite, if you will." Right, kind of getting his name out there, yeah, and other people's because it's out there a little bit, um, you know, just from the Winter Soldier kind of a deal, but not much. And if he does a, a, a scene. In criminal, I hope he gets paid more for writing it than he does acting in it. That's all. Yes. Well, I would assume uh, his deal is that he owns, right. you know, the the rights and the likenesses and the right marketing and all that sort of jazz, as opposed to work for higher stuff like he did at Marvel. But I'm excited for this. Uh, this is like really, this was a really awesome news story to see come across the feed this week. Right, because this is literally like we have a couple people like in our in you know that we know that are getting into comics, and this is one of them that I was like kind of want to push on them. You know what I mean? Is criminal, but now I'm like, oh, should I wait for the TV show in four years? So mm. we'll see. We shall see. And like I said, you know, hopefully um, that increases sales, increase their profile of the comics, the things that we're here for. Um, you know, and hopefully this is something that does not end up in developmental hell and never get made, you know? I hope this is Walking Dead, too, if you get my meaning. Yeah, yeah. Now, another thing that you had questioned uh, whether or not I would be into was on the Marvel app, the digital whatever, right? They just recently recut, if you will. Uh, Hickman's run on X-Men, the House of X, Powers of X stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Um, They recut it um, by putting it in chronological order. Of the story, not how they came out, right? Yes, of the actual story of how it's being told. Now, that's an interesting thought because this is not something that I've read and it's something that we've discussed many times in the past. That the X Men is just something that is like kind of impenetrable, impenetrable to us, right? Uh, you know, we don't have that same affinity for the X Men going back to whether it be the early '80s run, the late '80s run, the '90s run, whatever it was. We probably read it, but it was just always a mess. And mm-hmm. there are people out there that felt as though this particular run was a mess upon a mess because you're dealing with time travel stuff on top of X Men stuff, which already in and of itself is confusing to begin with. But I have to feel that if, you know, so I would assume that this is not replacing the existing way that the story is being told. Like you have the choice to read it in publishing order or in story chronological order. Right. And I would assume that somebody went through the trouble of doing this because there was demand for it. Right. Because like you said, there's time travel and I guess there's flashback and, you know, jumps forward and stuff. So this is a a different way. But yeah, they should definitely keep both ways on there. But probably somebody was like, oh, I wonder how cool it would be if you read it. Or maybe somebody did read it and like figured it out and read it in chronological order. And you're like, hey, this really works, too, this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not reading it. But I just feel as though it's a very interesting prospect especially since I'm back hot and heavy being on top of the Rob with the Rob watch. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no Rob Watch thing here, but Rob's are, Rob's are recaps for Rob's observations this week and the last couple of weeks because Rob puts out two podcasts a week. Uh, and he was very critical of Jonathan Hickman's run on the X-Men this past right. week. Uh, very critical of it saying that, you know, making some making some crazy allegations, okay? Right. Um, and I'll just, and again, you know, listen to the Rob's podcast. Uh, comes out every Tuesday and Friday. Go read my write-ups. I'm going to do my best to be on top of this, right? But just to kind of, like, grab some stuff that was in there, the crux of Friday's episode was that the Rob was saying that the plan at Marvel was, after the Jonathan Hickman run on X-Men, Marvel was going to try to bring Jim Lee back, okay, to to the X-Men. And Rob pinpoints it as though it's at the beginning of the pandemic, when Dan DeDio was let go from DC and Jim Lee's contract was up and that plays were being made and they were going to announce it at San Diego. Now, granted, none of that ever happened. Right. He was implying that that gave Jim Lee a stronger negotiating tactic at DC kind of a deal. Sure. Right. Go ahead. Um, But the Rob also said, quote, uh, he had it 100% confirmed from 10 different people in the industry that it was going to happen. Right. But then it didn't. Then it didn't. So that's like the crux of what the episode of the podcast is. But then he makes like all these like really weird allegations that, again, I don't follow the X-Men stuff, so I'm not familiar with it, that a lot of the early parts, specifically the Moira McTaggart stuff that was in House of X. Right. Was liberally borrowed uh, from a book entitled The First 15 Lives of Harry August. Then it gets into this whole thing where um, there was maybe a lawsuit and there was maybe an out-of-court settlement where, as the story went on, there was a conscious effort to lessen the Moira McTaggart stuff because it was too close to this book. Okay. Now, I I tried to do some digging on it. I saw a little bit of it out there, not a ton. Mm -hmm. But this was one of the first times with the Rob, because the Rob always likes to talk that he does this research and he has the receipts. Maybe more on that later. <laughs> Might be a double dose of me plugging my stuff. But this was the first time in listening to the Rob do his podcast that his research that he does, quote unquote, felt as though he was seeing it for the first time. If that makes any sense. No, I get what you're saying. Like he's shooting from the hip kind of a deal. No, no, no. I'm saying somebody else is doing the research for the Rob. And oh, the and they just gave it to him before the show started. And the Rob's not proofreading it or reading it, period, before he st- hits record. Got ya. I know how to do that. I, I got a little bit of the Rob in me on this okay. show. Go ahead. But you don't come on here in a serious manner and say, I have the receipts, I do the research, mm-hmm. I bring facts. You don't say or do any of those things. Right. I'm. This is the home of the uninformed opinion with Todd Roker. Right. So, again, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if maybe this, in fact, was a way to make this story feel less like that first 15 Lives of Harry August book by putting it in the chronological reading order as opposed to the release order. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I get so, you. Yeah, yeah. So again, just a lot of interesting stuff, as always, from the camp of the Rob, you know? Always interesting, if nothing else. Yeah, always interesting. Now, the other thing uh, in the news this week, and I will say this, and I've mentioned this before in the show, and I will reiterate this until I am blue in the face. Whoever your favorite creator is, most of the comic book creator folks, and again, I don't want to say all of them, Gail Simone is going to never leave Twitter. But a lot of your other favorite creative types in comics have either moved to Blue Sky or some sort of other um, platform, Platform, whether it be Substack, whether it be uh, an email newsletter, whatever, right? And it would behoove you, as a fan, to go find out who your favorite creator or creators are and sign up for their newsletter, Because a lot of times you're going to get information beforehand. You're going to get a little bit more personal, a little bit more long form something from the creator. But also, you're going to get information about your creator that, like, 
should have gotten picked up by the news sites and hasn't been. Right. So Jason Aaron sends out his thing ahead of his upcoming first official Superman work this week, right? Mm-hmm. And he sends out the newsletter and he says how excited he is for Action Comics to come out this week. But then he gets into the rest of the stuff that he's wanting to do that's coming out for him in 2024, right? Um, and again, I'm not gonna I'm gonna paraphrase, but he says that he has a brand new creator owned book that's coming out, right? And he's working with one of his all-time favorite artists on it. Says the book that he's been wanting to write since he was a kid, introduction to a new brand new sweeping world, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Then he has, two, even though he's doing DC stuff, he's got two more books coming out at Marvel this year. Right. Uh, one is a miniseries that he says is a combination of Punisher, uh, King of Killers, and Thor, God of Thunder. But it's not a Punisher book, and it's not a Thor book. Mm-hmm. And then he says the other one, uh, he can't say anything other than it's a surprise. Um, he goes, it'll be a surprise to you just as much as it was a surprise to me when it was offered to me. Okay. Then he's got two more projects coming out from other publishers, one that's already done, written, and the other one that he's starting this week. Right. So hopefully one of those is Jonah Hex. Two, is he trying to give Kyle Starks a run for his money? What's going on here? <laughs> well, I think, again, I, I don't want to speak for Kyle, but I definitely think that uh, Kyle would acquiesce to Jason Aaron. Uh, and, and maybe he's been in a little bit longer, a little bit more high profile. Um, mm-hmm. they, they occupy the same place um similarly in my heart and then he said that he has more dc stuff coming too right Right. um and to quote i'm gonna take out the swears right Right. uh he says including what feels like one of the most important intimidating and exciting projects i've ever worked on in my life okay now every single thing that i write here that's like you're talking multiple clickbait headlines at multiple news sites. And I saw nary a whisper of any of this stuff anywhere. It's probably because all those news sites aren't, you know, don't have have their newsletter. You know what I mean? So you, the listener, be ahead of the news sites, be ahead of the aggregators, be ahead of us. Sign up for your favorite creator's newsletter. Get the information of what's coming out ahead of time. And get hyped for your creator, man. You know, your yep. creator man, your creator woman. Uh, both male and female creators and, you know, non-binary and male and female folks listen to non-binary folks listen to this. No matter who you are, what you are, be excited for the stuff that you're into. Um, you know, emphasize the positive and, I don't know, maybe do a twice-weekly column about the negative. Wow. Wow, baby. I I wonder what you could be talking about. Uh, So cryptic. Last but not least in the news section, more of a follow up from last week's uh, grading on you segment. Um, I know you're, uh, you know, as we discussed last week, there was over 350 books that were opportunitied from CGC. Uh, I can't remember what the verbiage that it was called where they like they they, they went and sent the book out. There's a certain word for it. They went and sent the book out to get graded, and then they, like, slid the book out and replaced it with a different book. Right. And then sent the initial book that they got the grade on to go get another slab to put another book in, rinse, repeat, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So CGC released a list. Uh, They were able to ascertain over 350 ones. Uh, They have the books. They have the grades. Uh, They have, like, whatever their um, certificate number is, you know? Right. And they essentially said, like, if you have one of these books, you can contact us, you know, through our fraud department, so on and so forth. Um, did you get a chance to look at the list? I, I perused it very briefly. Okay. Um, because it doesn't, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It don't, it don't affect me none. You know what I mean? Yeah, it don't affect me none, but I was just interested to see what was on there, right? Right. And I was shocked to see so few DC books. And when I say few, I mean literally two DC books. Right. Um, Like a random issue of Amazing or Adventures of Superman and a random issue of Catwoman. Okay. (laughs) And the rest of the list is literally almost all Amazing Spider-Man issues. (laughs) Literally uh, issue 194, 
uh, issue 238, issue 252, and issue 300. Right. Those four books, I would say, make up more than 70% of the list of the books. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I will say this about DC books. You know, from hanging around the comic shop, back issues, there's much higher demand for Marvel mm. uh, back issues, especially because the, 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 the movies and TV have been so successful. And even before that, Marvel always, like in the Silver Age, moved hotter than uh, DC with the exception of Batman, you know? So yeah. I'm not I'm not really surprised at that. Yeah. No, well, of course. And the other thing I say is, of course, it's Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man, the greatest character in all of comics with the third best rogues gallery in all of comics. Right. Even though you forgot to put a few on your list, apparently. Apparently. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the thing that would have been the difference maker if I put squiggly yellow light ray man on the list. I, it you never know outcome. when it comes to seating, Joe. You that's never right. know. That's right. Uh, so uh, there's a convention this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Fan Expo Portland getting the jump on uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Right. Uh, not going to say the line that we always say about the Fan Expos, but it is what it is. It is. A uh, lot of creators. Again, it's the Pacific Northwest area. There's a lot of creators that are homesteaded up that way. Uh, Joshua Williamson, Mitch Gerads, Stephen Platt, who's like, you know, it's already into two weeks into 2024 and he's already been on like the two fan expo shows this year. Right. So Stephen Platt, where have you been making a comeback? Who knows? Uh, Dan Brereton, uh, rising star, Jeremy Adams, uh, Carl Kessel, Steve Lieber, Kevin McGuire, Carrie Nord, Jeff Parker, uh, Mark Russell, Doc Shaner. And then on the media guest side, the only one I care about seeing there is Elvira. I'd go get an Elvira Mark picture. Man, it's still looking good. That's right. So I, I love that movie of hers, Elvira, the Mistress of Darkness movie. Mm-hmm. Such a good movie. I know we brought this up before, and you know this will be the first time for 2024. Uh, there's a bit in that movie where like one of the bumpkins or people in the town, right? has a rolled up comic book that he uses to like swat a bug or something with. Mm-hmm. And it's an issue of amazing Spider-Man 300. Really? Yes. Cause it was just one of those things. It's like prop department, go to the store and get a comic book for this character. Right. And like when the movie was being filmed, this he's like, I know who Spider-Man is. And they just grabbed Spider-Man 300. It's a dollar, wow. right? You know, uh, my Write favorite, the budget. Yep. My favorite bit in that movie is when uh, the big burly guy that she's interested in accidentally knocks her in the head with something. That's my favorite bit in the whole movie. You know the one I'm talking about, right? I do. Okay, I won't I won't do it then. No, that's okay. Uh, so the links to this convention will be in the show notes, of course, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the network go live, of course, you could find them at their own individual websites. You could find them at your podcatcher of choice, Google Podcasts, We Hardly Knew Ye. Uh, But one-stop shop for all the shows. And anytime anyone from those shows go on any other shows and they let me know they went on those other shows, you can find them all over at soon-to-be-named-network.com. And, of course, that includes this show that you're listening to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings. Nice of them to take two weeks off for the holidays, huh? <laughs> Hiya, Bussy. Nice of them to take three months off for the holiday, <laughs> huh? Right. And Porch Talk. Nice of them to take question mark off for the holiday, huh? It's cold outside, Joe. That's, I don't know. My phone. Hey, look, we're not supposed to talk about weather. Stop it. Okay. But you can also check out links to some of our friends and some of the stuff that they're up to in and around the internet. You can go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. You can go check out our friend Kevin's blog over at HellionsTeam.com. You can go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. You can go check out Jason Sandberg's self-published book, Jupiter, over at his Indiegogo, and you can get that 
you know, bare bones or with all the accoutrements a la carte there. You can go check out Chris Runt's self-published Battle Monsters over at FortressOfComicNews.com. You can go check out our friend Davey of the band Cave People, his two self-published books, Mending and Keeper, over at CaveDomainComics.com. And if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store, Comics on the Green. You can find out when the books are going to be in. Hopefully no delays this week. Um, you could find out when Dave gets the latest arrival of mint silver age books dropped off on his doorstep in the middle of the night, which seems to be a weekly occurrence. And you could sign up for their mail order subscription service, uh, whether you get your book sent to you weekly, biweekly or monthly, there's a chance that you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend, Becky, who we're going to turn things over to now for her walk down Lois Lane. Welcome back to my walk down Lois Lane. This week we're talking about issue 35 from 1962. I love this story, so let's dive in. Lois is bleaching her hair and putting on glasses to disguise herself to interview a movie star that hates her. She has a fake ID calling herself Sheila Dexter, and while driving to the movie studio, she's still wearing the glasses she doesn't have a prescription for, so she drives off a cliff. Superman catches the car, but not before Lois has hit her head on the window. I guess wearing glasses made her miss wearing a seatbelt. Superman asks her if she's okay, and she begins to ask him who he is. When he says, Lois, don't you recognize me? She pulls out her ID and tells him that she's Sheila, not some rando called Lois, so he just immediately picks her up and takes her to the Fortress of Solitude, while Sheila is smacking him and screaming to be put down. Superman runs tests on her, but none of his space minerals can help her amnesia. So while he's setting up the city of Candle with oxygen so that they can all breathe, yes, that's actually really terrifying when you think about it, she goes for a wander around. Superman has rooms dedicated to Lois, Lana, Lori, and Lila. They're full of pictures and statues and stuff like that. Sheila sees these and thinks, oh my god, he has as many girls as a sultan has wives in a harem. He's probably lying to all of them and telling them they're the only one. In an attempt to snap her out of her amnesia, Superman tries to kiss her, but she smacks him, telling him to take his playboy tricks elsewhere, and he agrees to take her home. At the planet, he tells Perry and Jimmy that Lois has amnesia, and they agree to help. Perry has Sheila look at articles of Lois and Superman trying to jog her memory. But all she says is this Lois Lane is a pest. She's always chasing after Superman. Oh, she's so pathetic. She's probably doing this as a cheap trick to get Superman to marry her. Superman has changed into Clark and now he's helping her at work. She marvels at how kind and sweet Clark is. And she said that she would date a guy like him in an instant. He also tries to make her look at an empty envelope that says Superman's real identity that he's got hiding in a desk drawer, but she completely ignores it. Perry asks her to dye her hair black and take off her glasses to take pictures because she looks very similar to Lois Lane, and since Lois is on assignment in a different country, Sheila has to do. This does not snap her out of it at all. Superman sees that she's paying so much attention to Clark that he has a great idea. He takes her back to the Fortress of Solitude and begins to smash all of the stuff in the Lois Lane room, thinking that she's going to get angry and change back, but that doesn't work. He then goes to the Clark Kent room that he has to confuse people into thinking that Clark is his friend and decides one last Hail Mary. He tells her that he is Clark Kent and Superman and changes into both of them, snapping Lois out of it, but she doesn't remember his confession. The issue ends with Lois laughing to Jimmy that the only way she would ever find Clark attractive is if she had a head injury. I love this issue, but I think, honestly, the most uh, unrealistic thing about this issue is that you can just dye your hair bleach blonde and then just dye it black whenever your boss tells you to. Join in next week for more Lois Lane. Thank you very much, Becky. And I tell you, I don't listen to these things in advance. I listen to them as they're going out live, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And if I was to come on here and speculate what each one of these things about Lois Lane and these Silver Age books are about, and I tried to think of the most whimsical, ridiculous, over-the-top, phantasmagorical thing that I could think of, somehow it would top it. It always does. That Silver Age Lois Lane stuff is amazing. And I love the thing that uh, Becky takes away from this is that you can't dye your hair twice in a short amount of time. You can't. You can't. I think you can't. I think it's right up there with using boiling water on your face for a skin regimen. Wait a minute. That's your right. skin regimen, isn't it? That's my skin regimen. I know. So I, I think, and again, obviously this is the 50s into the 60s, 
I think if you t- now, okay, back then maybe. Today, I think if you were to go from black to blonde, you can go back to black again that quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, your hair would probably be like the most brittle thing in the world. Um, mm-hmm. If you try to do anything to it within the next like two to five weeks, it would probably just like come off in clumps. <laughs> right. But if you were to go starting black, blonde, black, and then blonde again, that's Lex Luthor's origin. I'm going to say, though, we ha- we've we had technical advancements in hair dye. <laughs> like, I think, couldn't you just, te- like, don't they have, like, spray color in your hair? Right. So like, I think. Wash out. I mean, yeah, that but that's the way I would go. Right. But I think here. Lois was so committed to the bit, she's going the full Megillah with it, but, right? Right. They didn't have that in 1958, so they didn't have I that think, in 1997 either. But right. But I think you could do that now. And when I do a journalism, that's what I do: is I spray dye my hair. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Becky, for sharing uh, your love and your commentary on these Lois Lane issues. It's always a treat. It's always a delight. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into what we're, we read from this past week. Uh, and that would be the boom studio. Number one pine and Merrimack written by friend of the show. Kyle starts with art by Fran Galan. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I understand it is uh, the first print of this is already sold out as it should be, as it should be sold out super quick. I think it's sold out. Like the announcement of it selling out came like a day after. Mm hmm. And, you know, hopefully you have a good comic book store. Or they, you, you pre-order your stuff. Pre-order your stuff. This is why you pre-order your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know what this was about. I was told it was a crime book. Uh, I was told it was by Kyle Starks. That's all I needed to know. Ooh, uh, what do you got? What do you thought? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? So, so basically the book is uh, about Linnea and Parker, uh, a couple married couple, I believe, who are private investigators. We get Linnea's backstory, her tragic backstory, you know, with a family member and everything, why she kind of got into to law and stuff like that. But when she ends up starting a private investigator thing, uh, ends up meeting Parker, and they kind of become partners. And we get why the name of the, the, the book is what it is. And I like that bit. And we see that she won't take murder cases because she don't like murder, who does, Joe? Um, but she has her reasons. And we get to see the kind of cases that she takes with, like, infidelity and stuff like that. And the ramifications that have. It's fun to see the various characters that pop up with that. But then she gets, you know, a darker case. And she decides to take it and goes, like, tracks down those leads in a very smart way. And they end up going to this biker bar and, you know, following said leads. And that's when I love Linnea, but Parker's my guy. And the bit in the bar where Parker shows up and, you know, he's kind of a a scrapper. And I'm just, there's these Kyle Starks lines that are in every book. And the bit where he's like, which one? And she's like, all of them. And he's like, okay, for my lady love, roll up those sleeves. And then there's a bit like what he, he tells him about kindergarten. And I'm like, this is, if, this is Kyle Stark's 80s action movie at peak Kyle Stark's 80s action movie kind of a deal. And then we get like wh- like the information uh, and they have to go help the, the, this, find this person. And I do think it's all going to swim back around to Linnea's origin. And I'm all for that. Um, I love this book. And on Fran's artwork, absolutely amazing. The coloring on this for like uh, certain scenes, like when they're together with Parker and Linnea, it's like kind of softer. But when they go to like the biker bar and it's got that like harsher or like the the book changes, not the art, but like the, the feel just by coloring on what you need to feel in that moment, if that makes any sense. Um, and I absolutely love it. It's just one of the best looking books uh, in a long, long time. Love Fran's artwork. Yeah, so I was unfamiliar with uh, Fran's artwork until this. Um, you know, we talked last week about the Jimmy Palmiotti book. 
what was that called again? Uh, oh, my God. And I have it right here. If you give me one second. Uh, the Hunters? The Hunters. Yes. I think if Fran's art was on the Hunters book, I'd be talking more positively about the Hunters. Okay. Not to say that I was talking negatively about it, but there was just something about the coloring of it, the layout of it, the the squareness as opposed to the roundness of everything. Mm-hmm. But this felt like a, I think the most important thing about this first issue of Pine and Merrimack number one is you get a full story in issue one. Right. You get uh, Linnea's origin. You get Parker's little bit of an origin. We get to see them in action, both Linnea doing her detective stuff and Parker using his, prize fightery MMA you know ishness as like her heavy mm-hmm. sort of stuff um and then we get them doing like a real higher stakes thing with the motorcycle club and we're left with a teaser like now e- so even if you don't get that last page you get a full story in issue number one and I think that's kind of a lost art in comics these days right. you know um, there are a lot of people that can do it. There's just more times than not people don't do it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And, you know, we've talked before many times in the past that there was so much writing for the trade to fill out six to however many issues it is. And I'm glad to see someone like Kyle write and do a story like this, that whether you're reading this as part of a collection or you're reading this by itself, you get a whole story. Mm-hmm. you're getting your money's worth you're getting an enjoyable read and it's a very well done read it's stuff that's like it's small stuff that's open and closed and it's big stuff that's open that is intriguing enough and compelling enough and interesting enough that you want to see it come to a satisfying close Yeah, and I'm going to say one last thing about the artwork um, if you're looking for someone if you're like single and you're looking for love Look for someone who, like, the way Parker looks at Linnea, that they look at, you know, that old bit, like, find somebody who looks at this person the way they do. I went through this book, and there's all these shots of Fran doing the artwork where Parker's, like, looking at Linnea, and it's never anything but love in the, like, just either wide-eyed or happy. And I'm like, man, oh, man, the facial expressions, like, the eyes and everything, it's just... So, so good. And I'm with you story-wise. You could give this to somebody and be like, oh, this is, I've learned everything I need to, there's always more you can learn, but everything I need to enjoy this book, I've learned about Parker and Linnea. Now give me the journey that they're on. Right. And that's a lost art, like you said. And this one sticks the landing on that. I 100% agree. Absolutely. So again, this was the only thing, you know, wanted to focus on this week. You know, we, yeah. we, we read a lot, but it's been a busy week. Nothing else really jumped out at us. And we've, I, I'll be honest with you. I felt if we talked about anything else, it would just kind of be compared to uh, our, our enjoyment of this Pine and Merrimack book. And if you missed out on issue one and you're a print person like Todd and myself are, there's no shame in having a second print of a book like this. Um, you know, just make sure that you uh, reach out to your local comic book store, wherever it is that you get your books and let them know that you want this. You want number two. You want it all. Yep. Uh, So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, as we do, whether you get them digitally, as others do, whether you wait for the trade, however it is, you get your books. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And it's early in the year, so it's tied at one. Yes, it is. So since I started the show, I go first. And once again, I think I'm chipping away at my comics because every every week it seems like you have more books than me lately, Joe. Yes. Which isn't, which is an, you know, not, not usual. But looking over your list, there's a lot of big hitters, great books on this list. But is the book you're looking forward to most Action Comics 1061? It is Action Comics 1061. Mm-hmm. Now, for you, I'm going to make a bold choice 
And I'm going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Zorro, Man of the Dead, number one. It is not, Joe. Oh, is it the Action Comics book? Yes, it is. Um, yeah. It is. And the only reason it's not Zorro is because I'm buying this on Sean, you know, Sean Gordon Murphy's, uh, uh, Sean Murphy Gordon, uh, you know, it's name and everything in the Zorro and it looks really nice, but I'm not 100% sure if it's set in the old West or modern times. Cause I really didn't look into it. I'm buying it sight unseen, but if it was like definite old West and I knew that I'm, uh, that might move the needle a little bit, but me loving Batman off world by Jason Aaron, just, praying and hoping that he he crushes his take on superman i'm really looking forward to this you know yeah and i'll say i went with the zorro book because i just assumed it was more old westerny right and i know how much you liked his white knight universe is yes that what it was i called? did enjoy his white knight stuff yes right and there was a couple times when those books were coming out those would be your most looking forward to coming out that week's right and then i got behind on those yeah due to missing an issue or two but anyway yeah um, we're, we're going to do our best, uh, to be a little bit more proactive to you, um, mostly maybe for ourselves as well, um, to kind of let folks know, hey, you know, Marvel DC image, you know, we'll sprinkle some stuff in there. Like I'll tell you here for next week, if you didn't already put your order in or tell your local shopkeep that you want Cobra commander number one, like next week. Okay. Right? Um, but stuff like, uh, Zorro man of the dead from massive, you know, a lower publisher, a, a smaller independent book, you know, maybe we'll, we'll try to do our, a little bit better to be on top of those things to remind folks. Right. You know, like maybe when like the Dick Tracy book comes out and the flash well, Gordon, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. The, the, like b- bigger names on like smaller uh properties and stuff like that so there you go or create your own stuff i'm with you like because i don't know if you know this it, batman don't need to push joe no mm-hmm. people are gonna people are gonna buy batman and they're gonna keep making batman books whether we talk about them or not right may be the same for that Sp- spider-man too spider-man superman i can keep going down the list right right but when one of these folks that we like writing a book like a green lantern like a spider-man like a whatever decide to do something different, not at one of the big three, four, ten, whatever. Right. Eh, well, we'll, 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 we, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but we as a show are going to do a better job to let you folks know to follow up on the writers and creators that we like. Yep. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the current 2024 Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are rereading Gail Simone's Secret Six. And to read Gail Simone's Secret Six, you need to read Villains United first. And we read issue one last time, and this time we are reading issue two. So this issue ends up being the first mission that our crew... Um, not officially called the Secret Six, a couple times referred to as just the Six. Uh, go on. We get some information officially that they are staying in the House of Secrets. Right. Which, you know, maybe if you knew what the House of Secrets looked like when they did the big sweeping shot of it last issue, you're like, ooh, that's the House of Secrets. And I don't want to say it until they said it in the book. They said it in the book. Um, we get a big alpha male showdown. <laughs> between Catman and Deadshot, and it's fantastic. It ends in eggs, which I think becomes a reoccurring thing. <laughs> Never more aggressively will you see someone give someone else their omelet order than you will in this book. <laughs> right. Um, we're getting a little bit more clues um, in regards to the relationships of some of the other folks, whether it be Cheshire's intentions for Catman whether it be Scandal, who we don't know her last name, pretend I didn't say it last week, um, who her betrothed may be, and the budding relationship, call it what you will, between Ragdoll and the Parademon. That panel where Ragdoll and Parademon are sharing a room is 
one of my favorite panels in like Secret Six Run because it shows Parademon just snoring away, nameless Parademon, and then Ragdoll sleeping in bed in the most twisted, contorted way ever. And that just seems that's just soothing in a sick and twisted kind of way. And also, Catman is starting to put together is starting to question Mockingbird. Yes, and maybe if Mockingbird is one of them, because he's like everything that they did could have been recorded. So it's like it could have been canned because there was no interaction. It was all kind of like pat stuff. So I do like that. Like, uh, is 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 Mockingbird one of them? Right, and we're getting a lot of stuff like that, whether it's Catman questioning who or what Mockingbird is. Uh, Deadshot questioning, like, hey, the last time we saw you, you were a big fat bum that uh, Green Arrow kind of humiliated, you know? What's with the Catman glow-up, as the kids call it? (laughs) And Catman just gives it the brush off and just says, we're not going to talk about that. Right, I'm here because they killed my lions. Right. Uh, but they get their first tip off. They have their first mission. They're headed to Gotham City as there is a sub on their way in that has Thanagarian weapons. Scandal postulates if there's Thanagarian weapons coming into Gotham, they're filtered through the Penguin. That means they're going to be filtered into uh, the Secret Society. Because uh, there are this, again, Secret Society, Society of Supervillains, Luther Society, the bigger group headed by Luthor, that uh, Catman rejected, Deathstroke, etc. They're known as the Society. Our guys, again, not a name yet, but they're the Secret Six, right? Right. And Mockingbird is putting Secret Six together to take down the Society. And they even mention in this, it's like, what are the six of us going to do against all the villains in the DC universe? Right. Like, literally everyone else. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we get a little bit more clues as to what's going on and who's going on because, um, Deathstroke Al asked the calculator if he has the plane bugged, mm-hmm. um, and calculator says, no, no, somebody else planted a device and I was able to hack into the device. And that ends right. up being a key thing a little bit later on. Right. Right. Um, so our heroes, or at least the villains that we're rooting for, show up, and it looks like it might have been a false tip-off, or maybe it ends up being a trap, because we get a nice, beautiful Dale Eaglesham, not giving him enough credit here, uh, two-panel spread. I'll say it's... If if the, if the Secret Six are C-listers, these are B-minusers. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, because we have Cheetah. That's an A-lister, right? Yeah. Because that's Wonder Woman, and I'm looking this over. The only other one, uh, uh, Weather Wizard, A-lister. I'm sorry. Uh, Count Vertigo? Uh, dude, C-lister. Uh, Lady Crazy Quilt? <laughs> oh, D-lister? <laughs> Who's the Magneto knockoff with the helmet? And that's uh, our good buddy DJ's uh, favorite villain that Green Lantern could fight, Dr. Polaris. Dr. Polaris. And then uh, the, the the knife guy with the ribbons, who's a Nightwing villain, maybe? I'm looking for him. because On the they... bottom left, uh, to the foot of the Nazi there? Right. I don't know who that is off the top of my okay, head. Okay, so he uh, that person whose name I forget is like a C-Rent Nightwing villain. Mm-hmm. I see the Shadow Thief there. Yep. Fatality uh, from Green Lantern is there. Right. I see uh, Knockout, who's a Superboy villain. Right. Tarantula with the rifle. <laughs> so, again, it, you know, our, our team is outnumbered, but it's a bunch of bums, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, our team gets taken down pretty handily at that. Yep. Uh, they they end up grabbing Catman. Uh Especially, it looks like they get everybody. And they may have killed the Parademon. We're not 100% sure. Um, and I don't know if this is his first appearance, but it's definitely up there with uh, the crime doctor. And he basically says, well, you know, I'm putting you, I've given you drugs that are going to make you not pass out, but it's going to heighten the pain. And basically we want to know who Mockingbird is. And then like, there's that kind of shock look in Catman's eyes because he's like, I was just asking that question. <laughs> I don't have the answer. 
So let's say this is the first appearance of modern crime doctor. Right. One because of the crime doctors. Well, crime doctor is, and again, you know, we say this, why wasn't the crime doctor on your Batman list? Because he was a 40s Batman villain, you know? Right. And then um, post-crisis, they kind of, you know, this was the beginning of his quote-unquote glow-up. Mm-hmm. And then he would become a regular um, villain in Gail Simone's Birds of Prey book. Right. But this is a character that was, you know, definitely maybe a background play. Like, he showed up in the 40s, right? Mm-hmm. And then was not seen again until Crisis on Infinite Earths. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then was replaced in um, the Kate Spencer Manhunter book by, um, you know, another character and so forth. And then just as a background player in Final Crisis. But, you know, this is the, I guess, first appearance of the new crime doctor, we'll say. Right. And you know what I just did? I went to the CLZ Comics, not a sponsor. And I went to Villains United issue two. And if you go, you can see all the characters that are in this issue. So there's also Captain Nazi, like multiplex hellhound, hyena, uh, killer frost. It wasn't trash. It was black spider, abracadabra, uh, uh, brutal was one of them crime doctor. So this is a good uh, thing, especially when we have all these like C list villains that I'm going to use as a, as a, as a tool, as we go on through uh, the secret six, Joe. Absolutely. Ooh. And I like, and I like how it has uh, their work and name and their shoot names in there as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. I really like CLZ, Joe. Yeah, I do too. I wish I had a place to share my comics that I'm shaking every day. Anyway. <laughs> you should. You should. I don't. Um, so yeah, like I said, these are more superhero-y books. They're not as deep and thought-provoking as Sandman is. Not that I think that's an insult to anyone. They're still very fun, very enjoyable comics. Um, but this is definitely like you needed issue one to re- get issue two. They give you... I think the meat of this, the stuff that you could really sink your teeth into, is that opening stuff with Deadshot and Catman. Yes. And I will say, Joe, Villains United was like 2005, right? You know what I mean? Um, And then maybe 2006, we get into the Secret Six kind of a deal. But for the next, like, from 2005 to like 2008 or whatever, Secret Six is is on my list of the best book being put out those years. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's not Sandman, but not much is. But this is a different kind of good, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. And then next week we'll be reading issue three. And, you know, I have the reading order stuff up there. I have the one trade specifically, because we're going to get to that Villains United special in five weeks, where it's only printed in that one type of collection. Hopefully by the end of the year when they officially announced the lineup of the Secret Six Omnibus that was being teased, that the Villains United special one-shot, etc. gets collected in that, you know? If it's not in there, I would be shocked. <laughs> I would be very upset. Now, I it, who knows? It may be listed as it being in there, and they forget to put it in. <laughs> That's more likely. <laughs> you know those DC, you know, big expensive trades, so collections. <sighs> All too well. All too mm-hmm. well. Uh, so, uh, while you're over at the site, of course, you could support us by heading over to our Tee Public store. Right. Uh, later this week on Thursday is the beginning of a sale. Uh, 35% off anything, any of the designs or otherwise that we have up there related to this uh, show. Soon to be named Network, Adults with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, a bunch of shows have stuff over on our T Public store. Right. And if you're thinking about making a purchase here in the new year, I say wait until Thursday, rolls into the weekend, and you can go from there, right? Yes. Uh, we get into it on After Dark this week, but the official season for the NFL has wrapped up, and we do have our winner. For the pigskin pickums, I still ended up on the first page, ending in 23rd place. Very respectable. Todd ended up finishing third. Yes. Anybody finish below me? What, what was that? 
Anybody finish below me? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, our, uh, Josh from the comic book store finished below you. Tied at the same amount of picks, but I beat him in the tiebreaker. So sure. And but then, he's not uh, afraid of me. He's not afraid of me. And, <laughs> and going down a little bit further into the lower fifth, technically seventh place, is uh, Adam from uh, Ad Odds with Wrestling. <sighs> he had a bad round there, but you know. My it's just my superior picking skills beat them. Just, and, just that's what happens. And we're gonna get in, and uh, I will uh, reach out to our winner, uh, Styrofoam Anvil, to see where we can send his prize pack uh, right. to him for getting the correct picks. And I'll say this: I mentioned you and I over on After Dark this week get into some discussion of the uh, the the NFL playoffs. And uh, trying to ladle our warmth over on Sports Talk, over on the Ad Odds Patreon. You don't need to pay for it. It's just there streaming. Uh, Marcus, Brett, and Adam did their NFL playoff show. Did Recently? Like, uh, let me see what time the email came through. 11 minutes ago. Wow. <laughs> I'm a little upset <laughs> that they didn't have me on. I mean, I know we're doing this show, but if you're going to have the guy who did the best in the picks, was it any of them? No. And of the three of them, who fit, well, Adam was second place, but you would assume that you would have like first, second, and third place on from the fantasy football, right? Right, right. <laughs> Definitely third. At least, Definitely. you know, the guy who's getting the third place prize should be on. And listen, it's it's available up on the Ad Odds Patreon for free. You can go listen to it there. Um, you know, just have the Patreon login. But I'll say this. Go listen to their show. And then if you're not a paying member of our Patreon, you should be. If you're not a paying member of our Patreon, go listen to Todd and I's analysis this Friday and see who did a better job. I know who I'm betting on. <laughs> if I was a betting man, and I am... Betting on me. I bet on myself all the time. This whole <laughs> podcast was us. This whole network, by the way, was us betting on ourselves, Joe. Yep. Absolutely. And I still I still have it in my phone, the meme of me and you as the cops from The Simpsons peddling Wiggum up the hill. Like, then that's the soon-to-be-named network. <laughs> and, you know, the two cops are us, Joe. I still have my uh, 2014 email drafts to the uh, head of the old network. Wow. <laughs> Before this network was a, a nothing but a glint in uh, everyone's eye, right? Yep, yep. Uh, hey, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, this page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You could use this affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything on eBay and support us at the same time. Yeah. And we're talking. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I did the yeah. I was giving it a beat. All right. We're, ta we're talking Patreon. So we're going to talk our Patreon. Patreon.com slash longboxheroes. For as little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. One is Comic Book Oddities, where we're looking at some of the lesser known, maybe forgotten, pre-Marvel Cinematic, DC Tryon Cinematic Universe. This month, we're going to be watching the TV movie from the 80s, The Return of the Incredible Hulk, available on Tubi until all are one. <laughs> We just came off recording Previewing the Past, 19, uh, January 1994, where we look at the previews catalog for 30 years ago this month. So we could look at what the comic book industry was like 30 years ago to see the trends and the changes and how the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, a special something <laughs> that was added into this previews. <laughs> it was sprinkled in. Yeah. Um Maybe drizzled in. But uh, I was going to say, and there was a gathering of magic, I believe. Uh, so there was all, there, all that and more. Yes. Uh, $5 a month is going to get you those bonus shows uh, two weeks before everyone else. It's also going to get you Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else. So you could listen to these shows in the correct listening order. And you're going to get full scans of all of those preview catalogs uh, that we've discussed in the past. 
even if you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast and listen. The podcast can be daunting sometimes. This past week's episode was over three hours long, right? Was it? It felt like a breezy 20 minutes. <laughs> it did feel breezy, but that's mm-hmm. us recording it. Um, you know, a lot of people just don't have the time. But if you want to go back and like, hey, I started reading comics in the ni- in 92, 93, peruse those covers. Like, I remember that book. Look through that previous catalog. See what the world looked like, you know? Right. Uh, from 30 plus years ago. Now, I also want to mention how us doing the the previewing the past show was able to help me with doing my Rob's for recaps this week. Was Did it really? Yes. So, uh, Tuesday's Rob'servations was in discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy, specifically the Jim Valentino era, right? Mm-hmm. The comic now, not the movie. The comic, right. And again, listen, uh, I always say, I said it before, I'll say it here, go listen to the Rob's podcast. Eh, if you're not a Rob guy, you can read my write-ups, right? Mm-hmm. I feel as though I do a pretty good job of uh, encapsulating <clears throat> the essence of what the Rob is talking about on his show. Wow. Right? So the Rob starts it off by saying that Jim Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy sold better than, at the time, Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, and Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'm like, okay. Now, we've talked before on Previewing the Past where, like, during the 90s, the Avengers was the bottom of the barrel. Like, the only thing lower at Marvel than the Avengers franchise books was the Marvel UK books, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, let me investigate. I have the numbers, right? I, I could go see when Guardians of the Galaxy Jim Valentino number one came out, and I could crunch some numbers, you know? Right. Now, I will say, for whatever reason in the previews, they put the 100 most ordered books in there for all of 1990, but they did not do it for 91, and they didn't pick it back up until the middle of 92. Right. And Rob cites in this episode, like, an April of 1991 uh, order chart, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But if I look at the first six months of Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, and it just it was one of those kismet things that the Rob specifically mentions Green Lantern as a book that the Guardians was outselling, that when Guardians number one came out, there was also a new Green Lantern book that month as well. A brand new number one. Okay. And Guardians of the Galaxy number one debuted at number 19 on the top 100, which in uh that would have been oh my goodness i forget it that would have been june of 1990 okay debuts at number 19 still lower on the charts than avengers and green lantern that month but he probably means it's some other way that he can explain well okay so uh so issue two and again i have the first six months issue two dips to 45th place issue three dips to 58th place Issues four and five start climbing back up the rankings to 50 to 39 and then kind of settling like around the low 20s, mid 30s for Guardians of the Galaxy. But at no time in those six months that I looked at was Guardians of the Galaxy ever above Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man or Green Lantern during that time. Now, granted, as we get later into the 91s and the 92s, those numbers would slip. But for Rob to say... And only basing that off one random month that he looked at. Because mm-hmm. that was the month that he probably had available at his fingertips, right? Right. And, like, I get when you're comparing Marvel to DC, but, like, Marvel to Marvel, I get it. Like And, like, his whole thing is, like, this is a book that was selling better than the Avengers books. Not saying, like, the Avengers books were low-end in the early 90s. But to randomly throw the Green Lantern book in there, and the Green Lantern has a new number one the same month that the number one Guardians of the Galaxy comes out, and Green Lantern beat it for the first six months that it was out head-to-head. Eh, the one month that the Rob used for his criteria, he was right. <laughs> but and then- not the other, like, 16 months and the six months that I was able to look at, you know? 
Right, then he might go by, well, okay, Diamond, you know, Diamond is what is sold directly to direct market, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. at Marvel, I have the numbers for both newsstand and direct, and it's sold, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to pull some BS, you know what I mean? But but he didn't. No, if you showed that to him, he will. Well, if you go, if you go listen, the Rob, here's my pictures of out of the previews from 1990, that... Guardians of the Galaxy, and you explain that not all the numbers are there, but for this X amount of months, it outsold all of these. So I'm not really sure what you're talking He'd be like, that was in 92. He, but yeah, that doesn't count for, you know how, and you know, how like he can get and start sparring and stuff. You're going to be wrong with numbers. I know better than to poke a dabbler. I mean, the Rob, um, Wow. But I did use my one question for something important. What did you use? <laughs> I asked the Rob, what are we getting the review of the new milkshake place? Right. And he says, I haven't forgotten. It's coming soon. Ah, he forgot. <laughs> he forgot. You, you got you to gotta handle the Rob. With kid, kid gloves, gloves, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You can't you gotta- go in there. Guns a blazing, pouches a Kimbo. You know, you yeah, gotta you gotta treat the Rob with kid boots. You know, yeah, feet, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, so like Todd said, we have no uh, TV or movies this week. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. If we never see Aquaman two, then the Snyderverse never ends, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, possibly we'll be discussing Echo next week, depending on how much of it I see. Right. Because Todd's already just, think, watched it all while we were recording this. I'm sorry, I was I was doing something. What did you say? You were watching. Hey, there you go. And then, uh, like I said, it's a lean 2024. Um, you know, obviously the writers' strike and a lot of restructuring of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously as things kind of re get put on the schedule with more definitive and concrete dates. You know, we'll do our best to discuss them. But after Echo, there's no comic book or genre related stuff until valentine's day weekend get your ocean spray out because we're all going to see madam web that's right i want some of that ocean spray essence (laughs) oh my goodness so yeah this uh todd your dream came true this actually was a short show i i'm shocked you want you want me to ramble on for another half hour Nope, I think this is a perfect spot to to end things. Thank you, everyone, for listening this week. Your continued support, your continued patronage, your continued everything. This was episode 692 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.